right, everyone. Welcome, welcome. We've got season two, episode eight of Phaser Friday, and we've got a very, very special guest, a guy I've wanted to have on for a long time. We've got Mr. Daniel Yates at Blue Collar Brands. How are we doing, man? Hey, doing well. What's up? Dude, honestly, such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you again for you know taking the time and uh, sitting down and talking some business here. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I think uh, it's been it's been a little while coming. I know that we've talked about it on and off and I think I just was slow getting back to you, <laughs> but thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, man. Dude, you're you're a hard guy to get a hold of. Not going to lie. I don't I kept trying to message you and I was like his secretary probably just is ignoring me and, and all this stuff. But I'm glad I glad I broke through. And I guess that's a good lesson on um, staying consistent and very persistent. So got got yeah. you on the show. You got to get through both secretaries and then yeah, yeah that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, but good deal, man. Well, um, I'm sure most of the people listening to the podcast right now know who you are, but for those who don't know who you are, give a little background of what you do and where you're from. Yeah, so I'm from Austin, Texas. Um, I grew up in a sub suburb north of Austin. I now live in a suburb south of Austin uh, with my wife. Uh, we both own and run a company called Blue Collar Brands. And essentially what we do is we help construction companies, landscaping companies, mining, basically blue collar companies um, that care about their people, show off their people and tell their people's stories. So um, the background and the backstory is I picked up a camera in high school, had no like, not an artistic bone in my body, um, but for some reason decided that I wanted to take up photography. I started taking pictures of like abandoned buildings and getting on rooftops and meeting up with random people on Instagram. And I, I think I was 16 at the time and my parents yeah. would drop me off in downtown Austin with like a bunch of, you know, 30 year old strangers and we'd go <laughs> mob around the city and take pictures of like stuff that people typically didn't see. And that was my big thing. I, I had an Instagram and it was called unsighted. And I like to show off things that people just, wouldn't typically see them in the, you know, in, in their day. And I love that, you know, then I realized, okay, I kind of need to make some money doing this. And mm -hmm. two months in, I think I bought a professional camera, still have the camera. It's not my main one, but I still have it. Um, and just decided, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Like, let's go, we're going to do this. Um, and I started doing a lot of like travel photography. So I, it, I was homeschooled actually. And so I was able to travel throughout high school a little bit and do work with just a handful of brands. And uh, I did weddings for a little while, did a little bit of everything, but I have, I have absolutely no blue collar background. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, my, my dad is a data analyst and my mom was a stay at home mom. Um, I don't have an uncle in construction or anything like that. So when I got out of high school, I started a video production company because that was like the next step in my mind that I wanted to stay relevant. I wanted to be able to tell bigger stories and you can tell, you can tell a lot of stories with a photo, but you can tell a more three-dimensional story with a video. And so I kind of fell in love with that. And I always love learning new things. So, you know, I was like, this is the next thing I get to learn. Right. Um, we basically kind of served whoever, came through the door, you know, as anything that we morally agreed with filming, we'd film, mm -hmm. and, you know, work with people and, and help them, you know, build their, 
business. So anything from small businesses to, you know, brands like, uh, like Celsius energy, if you're familiar with like the energy drinks or Google, oh, yeah. or things like that. Um, and then I got married shortly after. Uh, so I was 18 when I got married and my wife was 19, hope was 19. And we, uh, basically we were like, Oh, we actually have to make some money now, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, we, you know, we were making some money, but I remember we took a month off after we got married, we got married in July and then we took the month of August off. And I remember being halfway through August and being like, oh shit, we don't have any business lined up for next month. Mm -hmm. And anyway, with a ridiculously stupid work, work ethic, and maybe not even work ethic, probably more like just driving myself into the ground, you know, waking up at 4 a.m. and going to bed at midnight or 1 a.m. and just grinding. Uh, finally, you know, we had had enough business, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I'd been filming this relay race, though. Um, the first video gig that I was paid to do was a relay race. It was a 48-hour relay race, and uh, you had basically everybody ran. It was like a 200-mile relay race, right? And so I was up for 48 hours straight, filmed this thing, and then turned the video around in 48 hours my first time ever using video editing software and I got paid 300 bucks for it which I spent on drone oh. beforehand <laughs> but I did it again next year because you know amnesia and also yeah. because I asked a lot more for it um, and then I did it again the following year and that year uh, the CFO of a local construction company cash construction company here in the Austin area um, ironically five minutes from the house I grew up in had no idea it was there but mm -hmm. he reached out to me and said, hey, I saw the video you did for this relay. I ran the relay and I saw the video and we need to get something like this for our construction company. And in my mind, I was like, why the hell does a construction company need a video? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. that doesn't make sense. And the more I thought about it, though, I was like, I don't know what they do. That's why they need the video, because right. literally could not tell you what a civil construction company does. Like, I don't know what goes into building a subdivision or you know, building roads or anything like that. And so I sat down and had lunch with them and we you know, agreed to do the project. And I'm so thankful we did. Cause like, I remember walking out there on the first day on, on site and, you know, I had my brand new Walmart pair of steel toed boots and the brand new hard hat and the orange vest that didn't fit me very well. And, um, you know, walked out on site and I'm, I'm like looking around and I'm like, damn, this is pretty cool. Like Number one blew me away. You know, the obviously the heavy equipment's badass. Like, yeah, they're building a huge subdivision. And so there was just the, the scale of the project. I mean, they were doing trenching, they were laying pipe, they were doing cut and fill. They had so they had mass excavation going on. They were, um, there was just a, a ridiculous amount of stuff that was going on that I had no idea was happening mm -hmm. right under my nose. You know, like this was literally, you know, five minutes from the house I grew up in once again. Um, and so that just the scale of the projects that, you know, these civil construction companies complete blew my mind. You know, you can't flush your toilet without them. You can't, you know, turn on right. the lights. You can't, your, your house is going to flood, you know, very quickly if you don't properly grade, you know, a, a development, right. Or stabilize the soil correctly, depending on where you are. And I just was so enamored with that. But the biggest thing, and to this day, what remains the biggest thing is the people by and large. There are so many amazing people in the construction industry and in the blue collar world. 
Um, and I think that there are so many stupid, honestly stupid stereotypes that like, I didn't, I didn't grow up with people telling me like, oh, construction people are bad or anything like that. But like, you just, you get mad at, you know, when you're driving and there's a lot of traffic because of construction, right. or, you know, you, you, you have this idea in your mind of what a blue collar worker is and, you know, how some of them might act. And it's like, that's just not the case. And so upon like kind of finding this knowledge, I was like, this is amazing. Like, I, I love this and this is what I want to do. Um, I didn't really know how to go about that because as you know, the construction world is pretty closed off in terms of like, if you're not in it, it's very hard to enter into. And for good reason, because like, it's a dangerous place. It's a, it's a very specific place. Like you really have to know what you're talking about or what you're doing um, to, to be in it. But um, thankfully, we had the opportunity um, to work with this company with Cash Construction's sister company, Wanza Construction, which is based out of North Dakota. And they saw the video that we did for Cash and they said, hey, we want to, you know, do a video with you. And we actually ended up having two videos from two different people reached out to us at Wanza. So we did two of those videos and then I had started posting things on LinkedIn, right? I'd been doing that since before we got any construction you know, material or anything like that that we'd filmed. And when I started posting that stuff, it blew up. Yeah. So I just was very consistent. I just kept posting things. I started taking pictures when I was out on site as well. So I had more content to post and I would cut extra clips and post them and just started connecting with a bunch of people who were in executive levels or project management levels at different companies that were nearby or that I was interested in kind of getting to know. And um yeah that that is really where all of our business has come from is is linkedin or you know working with sister companies of other companies that we've done work with yeah and linkedin is incredible and if anyone has listened to any of my podcasts or any podcasts i've been on it i will always live by the sword and die by the sword like linkedin is incredible instagram is great as well but it doesn't even come close to linkedin especially for business when you're ready to actually send an invoice to somebody and like do some services for them. Um, LinkedIn is no better. And it's just, it helps building that professional profile for you. Um, so fun fact, uh, as I was getting into the agency world, I started my agency in 2019. Um, you know, I had already been on LinkedIn for a while and, you know, just connecting with other people, getting the lay of the land. And the first ever person that I actually connected with the, cause I didn't even know similar to you. I didn't know marketing and photography and construction was a thing. Yeah. Um, until I found somebody on LinkedIn, guess who it was? Aaron. No, it was you. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, dude. It nice. be, before Aaron Witt and before build Wit and you know, all those guys, but yeah, I, I found, you know, blue collar brands and I was like, what is this? And and even before I learned about niching down in an industry, like I didn't even have any knowledge about that. Um, I saw your stuff. I was like, dude, this is actually pretty sweet. And similar to you, I didn't have any construction background, but um, our first client is uh, second client actually is black iron dirt out of Fargo, North Dakota and Luke Payne, good friend of mine. And, and all of a sudden, like the stars started aligning. I was like, okay like this industry is incredible. There's a need. The people are awesome. 
you know, they have the resources to spend on their company and to, you know, build a more well-rounded company. So maybe I should focus more on, more on one industry. And then I did, you know, even dove deeper into the industry, talked to guys like you and Aaron and, and other people. I'm like, okay, this is definitely where we need to be. And, you know, then started just shying away other business. And since then it's been awesome. So um, yeah, shout out to you and your LinkedIn page because um, here we are today. So dude, I had no idea. That's awesome. And, and thanks yeah. for the kind words too. I, I really appreciate it. That's, that's encouraging to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. So um, I wanted to dive a little bit more into uh, your businesses. I know we get a lot of people listening that, you know, probably own a business or at least have a hobby that they want to start making some money on. And I'm mm-hmm. glad you brought it up earlier about, um, you know, we're taking photos, we're doing videos, and then you realize like, oh shit, like we should probably try making some money because we have rent due next month. Um, so if you could dive into a little bit of that, because you have two businesses here from what I'm seeing is media on edge and blue collar brands. Are they the same company? Are they totally separate? Like how do those two companies work? Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. Um, essentially we have been in the middle of a rebrand for probably two years now. (laughs) And that's what you're seeing. We started as media on edge. And then whenever we picked up and and got into the construction world, there was, there was definitely a point where it was actually when, when COVID hit or right before COVID hit, we were already making enough, you know, because I mean, you have to look at things in a monetary sense, like you do what you do because you love it, but then you also do it because you need to make money doing it. And we were making enough money to sustain ourselves you know, based off of just the construction clients that we were working with when COVID hit and Mm -hmm. everything else went dead. So all the companies that we were working with outside of the construction world was like, okay, we're gone, you know? And so they all disappeared. Right. And so we were like, okay, well, thank God we're working in the construct with the construction industry. Like, and at that point I was like, why don't we, why, why are we working with these other companies you know I don't really have any inclination towards what right. they're doing I don't have any like personal purpose really built into it aside from telling you know being able to tell stories which I enjoy but mm-hmm. I, I've grown this attachment to the blue collar world and so at that point was kind of when we had started it's, it's funny I had actually gone out and kind of come up with the name blue collar brands and uh, had come up with everything and I was starting to build a website and then I think hope found out that it was, that was kind of putting that stuff together. And we had to have a big talk. We're like, okay, we got to make these decisions together, but right. she, she got on board with, with the name and everything. And then it's just been a whirlwind of the past two years. And so ironically, we build websites and run social media and do make videos and do photos and everything for everybody and do consult, you know, marketing consulting, but we have literally not completed our <laughs> brand. Yeah. So, right that's that's what that is so essentially yeah we we only operate blue collar brands but everything on our like our website is still under media on edge and so is like my email domain so it's kind of confusing but it's it's really not that yeah so that brings up a really good question that i get quite frequently and it's one of my favorite questions actually uh and i'm curious to hear your answer to it but um how do you market a marketing agency like how do you market a marketing company I mean, you tell, you tell your client stories. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, any, every single company, it's the same 
recipe. If, if you want to look at it from a recipe, it's, I mean, I don't know if you've read, you know, building a story brand by Donald Dell, or if you've checked out his podcast, it's, it's that whole concept of you have a customer, right? Whether you're B2B or B2C, whatever it is you're doing, you have a customer and your job is to help them be the hero of the story, right? You want them to win at the end of the day. Your goal is for them to win by solving their problem and you to win obviously monetarily because that's how businesses survive. That's the purpose of business, right? It's to make money and provide a service. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, the same thing for a marketing company, you want to make your clients the hero of your story, right? And it can be difficult in marketing because when it comes to digital and things like that, there's a lot more metrics you can track, right? When it comes to web traffic or, uh, you know, social media insights, things like that. But I think one of the things that I, I always struggled with was how do you, how do you kind of create a case study for how your video, you know, how well your videos perform or your photos or things like yeah. that. And I think really at the end of the day, you don't necessarily have to have a case study other than saying, Hey, look at my client. Let me put them on a pedestal so you can mm -hmm. see exactly what this is doing for them. Exactly. What, what do they look like to you? You know, is their yeah. brand stunning? Is their brand shining above the others in their market? If so, that's the result of our hard work on the back end and putting the content out as well. Dude, that's spot on. I mean, you can just set it any better there. And that's exactly like how you should do it, I think. And in, in my opinion as well. And, and we've done that specifically with Black Iron Dirt, you know, Luke Payne's company. It's just like, it, it is tough to track the long-term effects of branding. Like, yes, you can track the leads and everything, but you know, in construction, you're not necessarily just trying to pound them with leads, you know, yeah. left and right, because they typically have enough work to, to go around. So it, I do feel that it can be tough, but what you said there, like a lot of it is just the trust. It's like, do you, you know, just trust me and let's build a long-term partnership instead of just this short, quick, like three month campaign. Like let's do this over a long period of time. And I always like to say, um, you know, either lay a perfect brick every single day or, you know, just continue building those good marketing habits every single day over a long period of time. And then just ask around to say like, you know, do you agree that that's a good company or that that'd be a good company to work for? Or have you seen them around? And yeah, I mean, to me, that's, that's a lot like how we work as well. It's just those long-term partnerships and you may not have all the right answers either, you know, in the videos or in the, the websites or whatever it is, but the cool part about our businesses are, is that you can like work with them to figure it out. And there's more of that partnership vibe. Like, I mean, you've been working with cash now for a long time. So it's, you know, and you, you probably aren't going to go anywhere for the next X amount of years either. So like, I think that's just the coolest business model is to get into business with people instead of just these companies. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, companies are people. I mean, exactly. that is, I'm the, I'm the biggest proponent of that. Like yeah. it, it, it goes down to literally any, any problem that you're trying to solve is a, is a people problem. Ultimately mm -hmm. it's an interpersonal issue. Right. And every, like every business is, it's funny because every business that I see most of the time, if you try to approach it from how does the business build a better culture or how does the business market itself better? Or how does the business attract or retain more people? And it's like, dude, 
your people are the business. So in order to do this, you have to actually activate whatever it is that you, whatever ideas you have, and you have to start them at the top, whoever's making those decisions, and you have to ensure that they're passed down so that your people can embody your culture or the, you know, I mean, ultimately it really is culture, you know, when it comes to retention and hiring or like telling, you know, your company's story, right? The people are the company. Yeah. Yeah, man. It makes it a really interesting industry to be involved in because, you know, I, when I go out and talk to some other friends that, you know, are marketing agency owners for the legal field or for, you know, um, you name it, like real estate agents or whoever it's, it's, they have their solutions to their problems. And I think it's very interesting in the construction industry because it's so different. It's almost a totally separate, uh, like entity, um, you know, because if I were to just pitch them what I would pitch to any other company, like they would just laugh and say, we don't want 10 X our leads. Like we already, we have way too many, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that. So it really, it's listening to the industry and what's going on and, and listening to the people that make up these great companies. And so, yeah, like if I feel like you and I couldn't do that, if we were out taking on all these other clients in 20, 30 different industries. So it's cool to see, you know, how you've niched down as well. And then it just so happens that you absolutely love the industry and that makes it easier to pour more time and money and resources back into it because you don't look at it as much like you're working, you know, it's just, you're thinking about it, you're driving by, you know, you throw the drone up, you take some pictures and you're just like always kind of looking around, even if you're on vacation. So it's, it's one of those industries that especially growing up as a little kid and loving big trucks and tractors, uh, it is the best industry to be in. Yeah. Yeah. I literally went on a walk this morning and there's a new subdivision right next to ours. And I was like, checking out the scraper spread and checking out the dozers pushing down a stockpile. Like I'm, I'm a kid in a candy shop, you know, <laughs> dude, that's amazing. So, um, I want to dive into a little bit more, uh, when you guys are first starting out and maybe even to now, uh, I think it's very interesting, you know, being an entrepreneur, figuring out, there's so many things to figure out and just, you know, between marketing, branding, sales, you know, legal stuff, you know, paying yourself, all of that. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you is when you first started out, cause you're in this with your wife, how did you go about paying yourselves? Like, did you separate the business from you guys as individuals, or do you kind of have, have in one account and just hope that you get those projects in? Like, how do you go about, um, you know, separating those and then also budgeting? Because as you said at the beginning, like it, it's tough. Like if you're not planned out for the next month, but now you're at a much better place. So how do you go about um, doing that? Yeah. So when we started, I didn't know what, what we were doing. Um, yeah. Honestly, when, when we started, it was, it was just me. My wife was in school. Um, so mm-hmm. she went to school at Texas state. So we were living in San Marcos, which is 15 minutes from where we live now. And yeah. um, I was basically just, we just, I didn't have an LLC or anything like that. I was just operating as a subcontractor. So I would yes. my W9 over and get my 1099s at the end of the year. And everything went into our account and we moved some stuff to savings. And it was very, very uh, haphazard, if you will. Um, that was back in 2018. And then mm-hmm. it took a little bit of time. And I think 
the beginning of 2020 is when I actually formed an LLC and was like, okay, let's actually do this like the right way. And so we, right. just upon taking advice from other people that I had talked to and people I knew who had businesses, um, we went ahead and set up, you know, our own business account and started taking a paycheck instead of just funneling all the money in through our yeah. personal account. And uh, I, I would say it's, it's hugely important to do it that way. Cause number one, like you actually can budget for yourself personally, which I think is yeah. really important. Um, and you can actually keep track of where your money is going or where it's not going. Um, and so, yeah, well, what we do is we basically just pull our paycheck every month and we have, well, it's, it's interesting now we're, we're an S corp now. And so yep. we have, we can take owner's drawings and then have a paycheck as well. And so it's kind of a, it's a combo, uh, but we go, we go and do whatever our accountant says to do. So right. that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's actually the biggest advice I can give to anybody is once you can afford to have somebody do your taxes and do all your yeah. accounting stuff, ask them how you should handle it and what kind of entity you should have. Um, and then, yeah, taking a paycheck, I think is wildly important. The rest of the money for the business, I don't budget for the business necessarily, aside right. from taxes, like quarter, we pay quarterly taxes. So there's not a whole lot of budgeting that goes into that. Um, you just kind of make sure you have that money. I do have a separate account that I set that money aside in. Yeah. And then um, equipment, I have a, an account that I put a certain amount into each month just to replace equipment or things like that. That way there's no like big... Uh oh, like we crashed right. the drone again this month or something like that, you know? Um, yeah, but otherwise it's it's pretty simple. The, the biggest thing is just giving ourselves that monthly set amount and not just taking all of the money because that's not the point right. that's what we're here for. We, we want to reinvest whatever we can back into, you know, either helping more clients or helping the clients we have on a higher level. Definitely. Yeah. And you don't want to own a job. You want to own a business. So eventually you need to get out of the whole, like, Oh, when you make money from a project that just goes directly into your like spending account in yeah. your personal side. So, um, and I'm really glad we're talking about this because I've uh, been talking to my dad a lot about this. Uh, he owns, uh, he, he does speaking. And so he owns his own business shout out at, at off duty chief. And he, he just made the move over from being a personal, you know, just money coming into the, the separate business entity and he loves it because essentially, yeah, you just, you can pay yourself whatever you want, but when it's two separate entities, it's like, okay, well, what's reasonable? Like how much can my wife and I live on or how much do we need? And then you set that amount and you just pay yourself that each month or for myself, I do every two weeks. Um, and then that's what you have to budget with. And then your business is totally separate. So that way you can be making, um, way more money, but then, yeah, you take a certain percentage of that, that stays in the business, a certain percent goes to taxes, certain percent pays your team, you know, pay yourself out of it. And then what I do that has helped me is um, let's make sure everyone else is good. The business is good. Things are growing. And then, yeah, at the end of the year, at the end of the quarter, if there's money left over, like cut yourself another thousand bucks or 2000 bucks or whatever for like a bonus or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that way, uh, you know, it just, it gives you a little bit more peace of mind so that if something does break, which it always does and something, you know, you do lose a client or, you know, the, a pandemic or something comes through, it's like, you just want to be prepared and, and building this asset and, you know, uh, 
it's kind of funny too. Like I don't even transfer the money. I actually write myself like nice. a check and nice. it's, it was just, it's just like such a weird thing when I tell people that, because it's, I guess it's good for our accountant to see like an actual check. And so I, twice a month, I just write myself my own check, but it stays the same. And I think that's important to know. Like it, it's not like we're chasing the dollars any, anymore. And we never really were because we've always kept it separated. And I think that goes into like your heart when you're working with these companies or you're on a sales call or you're, you know, talking to different leads, you know, yes, the money is great to have in for the business, but it doesn't directly affect like how much you're going to be spending. So I think just that mindset change is huge as well. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. The money, money, making money is a part. It's, it's one of the rules of the game. You have to make yeah. money to run a successful business. It's not why you play the game. It's yeah. not the end goal of the game. It's just a rule of it. You got to make money and you've got to manage it. Yeah. And you can do a lot more for your clients if they're paying you more, you know, yeah. it's just one yeah. of those weird things where it, it, it helps everyone all around. You can invest into training for your own team. You can invest into a vacation for your family so that you you're better mentally, you know, you can invest into, um, you know, different, uh, SEO softwares for your clients, like different things like that, where if you're just breaking even on every client every month and you think it's a good thing because you're not charging them as much, it's really not because you're not doing them a good service and you're not doing your company and your family, uh, any service as well. Well, yeah, you're, you're absolutely doing your client a disservice if your focus 50% of the time is on finding a new client in case that client yes. is you. You don't have to worry about that if you're charging what you're actually worth or charging just a little bit more. That way you can, you know, keep up with the clients you have. <laughs> right. Definitely. So, um, and for everyone listening, uh, we've got Daniel Yates at Blue Collar Brands. Go give him a follow on Instagram and LinkedIn, of course. Um, and also thank you to the Phaser Friday sponsors. We've got Leading Edge Grading, Musk Miners, Resolute Accounting, and Work Zone Coffee. Um, speaking of accountants, uh, Resolute Accounting. So they had sponsored the podcast before I started working with them. And then about two months ago, I hired Gabe. He's the owner. And so now he's like our outsource CFO essentially, because nice. we're obviously way too small to like uh, hire a full-time CFO. So yeah. that's what he does it for businesses is he, you know, partners up with them. He does their books, taxes, helps them budget. Um, but on like a, a monthly basis, like a CFO would. So, um, so a huge shout out to all of our sponsors for making this happen. And Daniel, thanks again for jumping on the show. We've got a few more things I definitely want to dive into. Um, first off, are you, you know, so you're, do you ever find yourself like your head is down too much, like into the work and it's hard to take a, take a breath and like grow the business or go out and shake hands with other people? Or do you feel like you've got a decent balance on that or how, how is that going? Yeah. So I think that's, I mean, that's changed over the years. It's been, it's on and off. Um, I mean, as you know, business is a roller coaster. So you've got busy seasons and you have slow mm -hmm. seasons. And so in those times you have different, you know, different priorities and you have different uh, amounts of time to actually give to those priorities. Right. Yeah. So I would say it definitely depends on the season right now. We're having our baby at the end of September and we're taking off a month. You know, I'm taking a month off after the baby comes. So I'm in like 
head down mode trying to finish yeah. editing a bunch of videos and kind of finishing up some projects and getting everything ready so that everything runs smoothly for our clients when I'm away. Um, so right now, definitely head down. Yeah. <laughs> but in the, in those times though, you know, there's still those thoughts that come to your mind. And I think I find that when I'm very head down, like I get kind of tired of just doing the work sometimes. And so mm -hmm. I'll take some time to just sit and be like, okay, what ideas do I have? And I'm not right. necessarily going to work on them. I'm not necessarily going to implement them right now, but I'm going to write them down for when I get yeah. there. So I can add this to the business or do this or that. And I'm by no means perfect at <laughs> executing all of those things, but, um, that's something that's helped me for sure. Even when yeah. I'm kind of bogged down working on in the business. Yeah, definitely. And huge congrats, man. Having Thanks. first, first baby. I mean, that's so exciting. Um, mm -hmm. and what a blessing that you're able to step away from work, you know, for a month. Yeah. And I, I think you'll, you'll be the first to say that it, it's incredible to have clients that respect that as well. And they, you know, I'm sure they're rooting for you and they're there for you as well. And it's like, um, what a cool opportunity that you have, like running this business and also like being able to juggle like real life. So it's, a, so you're taking a, like a month off, but there's a lot that you can do upfront, like you said. So is that a system of, you know, editing, shooting, and then scheduling throughout the month or how does that work? Yeah. So basically We've, we've known this is coming we've known the due dates coming right for, you know, nine nine and a half months now right and so we essentially scheduled everything to where we got all of our actual production days so all of our shooting done so all the on-ground work that we were doing pretty much done in you know july june august and that way i've had the past month and a half to essentially just work yeah. really, really hard on editing stuff um and so what we did was we typically have like a 30-day turnaround on on most everything we do unless the client needs something quicker uh what we did was all of the contracts we signed in the past four or five months i think we did a 60-day turnaround for unless there was nice. a something the client really really needed um and that way we were we were actually able to turn everything around in time and not you know go back on our word or anything like that so that was really helpful um, and then, yeah, just basically now it's, it's kind of come to where I'm just kind of head down editing a bunch of stuff, yeah. a lot of interviews and things like that, you know? So, um, and that's where I kind of end up, you know, this week, I'm going to have to work a little extra and, you know, put in mm -hmm. some, some overtime if you will, but oh yeah, I typically don't though. And that's the, that's one thing that I'm really blessed. Like I, I work from nine to five most days or an equivalent of that at least, um, or, you know, if I, if I need to take off in the middle of the day, cause I'm not doing well mentally or like, yeah. you know, I'm need a break or something like that. I'll do that and I'll come back to it later. So, um, it just depends on the season. You know, there's, there's, yeah. time, there's time for everything, right? Summertime in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to get out. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Well, it's, you know, it's just really cool to hear. And I'm definitely a big proponent on that as well of just, you know, doing your best to take care of yourself. And, you know, if, if you're not enjoying this whole business journey that you're going down, like, yes, there's, it's going to be a grind. It's going to be tough, but like at the same time too, like you, you got to enjoy it. You got to, you know, take time away, like not, not do these 23 hour days and at least do your best not to be. And I know that 
especially in the construction industry, like it is tough. Um, there are long, long hours and, you know, we get to you know talk with a lot of our clients and help get them out of that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, like we do realize that there is a point where it is necessary. Um, uh, but our job and a lot of our jobs is, you know, to help round out their business a little bit more so that they can have some more systems in place so that they're not, um, always having to be on the job site, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's easier said than done, but it's, uh, it's definitely great to important to take care of your mentals and make sure that you're doing, doing things you love to do. Well, I think the beautiful thing about what you just said is that we, we get to come in from an outside standpoint and that's, I think every, every business needs that every business needs somebody to come in and say, why the hell are you doing it this way? But the cool thing is that because we're niched down and, and if you will, like working in the industry, we kind of understand, okay, we get why you're doing this. We get right. why it's been done this way. But now instead of just saying, stop it, because that's not how it works. You can't just, right. say, stop. If, you, if you've been working, you know, if you've been, if your, your entire market works seven, six or seven days a week, you know, and has everybody running 10 hour days, right? Like every day of the week. You can't just stop doing that immediately. Right. You have to figure out a game plan and exit strategy to get out of that and figure out how you're going to make up for that, right? But because we come in from the outside, we can kind of see that and say, look, you aren't just competing with ABC excavation over here. You, yeah. you, are, you are competing against, you know, the Best Buy or the Starbucks or the Target or the, you know, whatever else or, or you know, even bigger companies, you know um, that have, you know, office jobs, things like that. Yeah. So one thing I just thought of too, is, is the whole like collaboration versus competition. I know we've been talking a lot more about that and, um, partially, I mean, I guess you and I even too, like we we're in very similar industries, but at the same time too, like we'd much rather collaborate with people in our industry. And we we're talking about Raphael Mogel late, uh, earlier and, you know, people like that and, and Aaron Witt and Forrest Dorman, like all these guys, they're just like, I don't, I feel like none of us see each other as competition because you're actually not competition at all. And even when you boil it down to construction companies, like you talk to Luke Payne and he'll say, you know, he like, yes, there might be some competition out there, but he doesn't lay in bed all night thinking about them and thinking about what they're doing and like trying to beat them and all this. It's like, you just, yeah. And you work with them when you can, especially, especially in construction now, because most of the guys, their schedules are filled up and they actually need help. And so if you have a free weekend and you want to go push snow, you know, for glacier, like go up and go help them push snow, get it done. And, um, you know, so we're seeing a lot more of that, a lot of more of the collaboration. Um, I don't know if it was just maybe even like a generational thing of where they didn't do that a whole lot before, but it seems like there's a lot of collaboration going on, which is really cool to see because, you know, they're all kind of, um, you know, getting together essentially and, and helping each other out. Yeah. Which is, I think, essential. Like, I think that that's the way forward. Um, yeah. because the, the industry is in a rut in a lot of ways, yeah. <laughs> very behind in a lot of ways. And, and the way out is together for sure. Yeah. Good deal, man. Well, that's a wrap on the good old Phaser Friday podcast. We've got Daniel Yates. Uh, just can't 
thank you enough. I respect your work and everything you do for the industry and the people around you. I mean, you've been incredible. And I just, like I said, I can't thank you enough for being on the show and also just being a great friend. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And thanks for being a good friend too. I appreciate it very much. And y'all are killing it over there too. I love, I love seeing what y'all are doing with the the small to mid mid-sized construction companies. That's a niche that needs served very much so because those are going to be the some of those companies are going to be the the large mid to large, you know, size yeah. excavation companies of the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we fit in very well there. And we're like, all right, let's let's get comfortable here because we're not going anywhere. So it's a it's a great spot, but you know, at the same time, it it takes all of us to kind of do our part. And you know, that's why I just appreciate having you on the show and also just having you. Um, in business in general. Yeah. All right, back at you, man. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care.